So, Karen, you know, I never thought I would say these words, but I am excited about my gut. Me too. It's fascinating to think that if you've got all the right bacteria in there, then it can have a positive effect on your hormones. And at our age, it's all about the hormones. I mean, it affects your sleep. It affects your bowel movements. Uh, vaginal health, hot flashes and bloating. I hate bloating. Oh, no, me too, me too. Well, we're two weeks into taking our Better Gut supplements and I am excited to see if it makes a difference. So far, so good for me. Are you remembering to take them? Yes, once a day with my meal. Good stuff, good stuff. Try the Better Gut today to support you through a better menopause. Visit www.thebettermenopause.com to find out more about the science and order your supplements today. With delivery straight to your door and the supplements coming in convenient, portable packaging, they will easily blend into and support any busy lifestyle. You can also sign up to their newsletter and join their thriving community. Right now, you can receive 15% off your first order with my special code. That's K15, K-A-Y-E 15, all one word. That's www.thebettermenopause.com and the code is K15. Joining us on the How To Be 60 podcast this week is the first trans woman ever to feature on the cover of the WI magazine, Petra Wenham. She transitioned at the age of 68 and has a clear message to everyone listening. You're never too old to embrace your true self. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Greetings all. Welcome to another How To Be 60 podcast with me, Kay Adams and Lama Kenzie. Somebody <laughs> actually emailed in actually and said, does Karen like being called Mackenzie? Because I think they thought I was just treating you like staff. Mackenzie? <laughs> 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 or the military. Yeah, or the military. Yes, great. Yeah, actually, I do like it. Actually, one of our um, teachers, and can you see, used to call people by their surnames. I think when there were large families and they knew it was another one coming through, it was easier to call them by the surname than try to remember yet another, you know, first name. Yeah, another yeah. child, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, for what they actually were. Indeed. So, <laughs> so I quite like it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I just wanted to clear that up. No, no, I'm very happy with it. Thought, because I know people think I do abuse you, but Upstairs maybe downstairs material. Yeah, absolutely. I actually thought you were going to mug me earlier on, so that was rushing home from the radio You weren't show. exactly rushing, you were doddering up the path. I was I was trying to eat my lunch as I was walking up the path, and then we come into the house together. Mm-hmm. Bonnie. I love this bit. My youngest oh my God, is at so home funny. studying. It's like the bloody Bahamas in here. It's so warm. I've never felt the house so warm. But you know, the best of it is Bonnie comes out with her shorts on. Oh my God. And a t-shirt. Can't bear it. It was great. Oh my God. It was lovely. Switch Jeez. that thermostat right I'm moving after my own heart. Mm. I bet you did turn it down, did you? Oh my God. It's been about 25. It, it was great. <gasps> She's terrible. Her shorts. As soon as she gets back to school, the better, I can tell you. Um, now listen, you know last week that we were talking to Scott Mitchell. Mm, yeah. If right. you didn't hear Scott Mitchell um, from, from last week, who of course is uh, Barbara uh, Windsor's widower, please go and listen to it. He's such, such a lovely guy. Um, I cannot believe that you asked him if he dyed his hair. I mean, Jesus. He's I was got really a great moppy hair, hasn't he? You just don't ask something. You wouldn't ask a woman that, would you? No, I wouldn't. That's a really good point. Yeah. I can't believe... Yeah. 
No, you I know that actually. Yeah, God, I never thought of that. Mm. I, why did I ask that? I have no idea. Mm. Yeah, absolutely right. I wouldn't ask a woman. Maybe that is that thing about getting older and just opening your gob. No, I certainly, I still wouldn't ask a woman. The thing is, I suppose. Yeah, what? Could you go out with a bloke that died this year? But see, why do we make these judgments? You know the thing? I am. I'm so bad at that. The thing I loved about Scott more than anything, and we had a long chat and he spoke a lot about obviously caring for Barbara when, you know, she developed dementia, etc. But, you know, the one little thing that really stuck out about Scott above everything Mm is when he was talking about himself personally and he was talking about his addiction and he's mm-hmm. 21 years sober, which is incredible. Um, but at a point in real conflict in his life, he said he wondered, as a bloke, why he was scared. Mm-hmm. And he looked around at other men mm-hmm. and they appeared to him to be strong and brave. Sure. And he thought he was somehow failing because he felt scared of particular things. And men were not supposed to be scared they were supposed to be strong and brave and i just think that is he's stronger than any of them but it's just such a great honesty oh i know such expectations of men a lot of the time that they have to be a certain way um and like would you go out with a guy who dyed his hair or whatever why do we impose that on him don't know i mean in terms of the die, right? I suppose it's anyone trying to make themselves look younger. Right, but you wouldn't ask it of a woman. So that's what, I mean, it, it is an interesting thing. Anyway. I think it'd be obvious. No, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. I, I mean, yeah. Why? I don't know. Was that close to an apology coming out there? Oh, God, I don't know. That sticks in the throat. <laughs> sticks in right. the throat. Okay, I won't push you on it. Um, th- this week, we've got uh, Petra Wenham with us, who is a retired information security expert. Uh, Petra was born a biological male, uh, but she waited until her 60s to transition. Uh, also, the first trans woman to be the cover of the women's... Uh, institute magazine fantastic really looking forward to speaking to her i mean obviously this has become a bit of a political issue we are not going to get into that with petra we just want to talk to her about her life Mm -hmm. and and her experience so um i'm really looking forward to speaking to petra but just back to scott again and what we expect of men Mm. I watched this movie over uh, the christmas break called force majeure i don't know if you heard of it no it's a Swedish movie. It's the slowest movie you have ever seen in Did your life. Fall asleep? No, no, I didn't actually because I was gripped. That Ian and the two girls were bored out their faces, but I was gripped. So the story is basically this family, mum, dad, two kids are on holiday skiing and they think there is an avalanche coming. They're having lunch on a sort of open balcony and the snow is oh completely. It's a, de- it's a detonated avalanche, but it looks as if it's gone wrong. And so this wall of snow is coming towards them, right? And in that instant, the woman grabs the children mm-hmm. and hunkers under the table. Mm-hmm. And her husband, and she sees him fleetingly, runs for it. What, to escape the whole... Escapes. Escapes. So everyone for themselves. Or else she yeah. was actually looking after the kids. Though. Every man for themselves. Yes. So she immediately her instinct was to yes, protect, protect children. children. His instinct was to interestingly pick up his iPhone and his gloves and run <laughs> run, run for, for the cover. hills. Yes. But that was kind of the starting point because then their relationship just started. I'm sorry, I'm giving away Track. this movie, everyone, if you've not seen Force Majeure. Um their their relationship started to disintegrate yeah. because she could not forgive him yeah. for being 
for deserting them. For looking after himself. Because he wasn't, I quote, a man because like the bloke shouldn't do that. The bloke should protect the family. The family. Mm-hmm. So again, we're putting it on why should he? Maybe he was scared. You, you, do you think he should have protected the children if she hadn't been nearer them, if you know what I mean? You would expect a parent to look after their children regardless of, of their gender. gender. But yes. do we expect it more of men? I mean, would you expect Stephen, I don't know, you thought there was a burglar coming in or something, would you expect him to, you know, protect you? I probably want him to, but I wouldn't expect him to. There's a difference, right. isn't there? Right. Do you think he would? No. Eh, would he? Oh, he probably would, actually. No. Mm. He'd probably say, get out to me because you're getting in the way or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, you know, it's a romantic thought, but I don't. Would you be disappointed if he didn't? Honestly? Possibly. The one time I remember uh, Ian and I really did think there was an intruder in the house. Really? And... Um, I still see that it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. Um, we're as wussy as each other, and I don't have any expectation of him, but um, he got this belt, a sort of chain belt of mine, a sort of fashion oh belt, God. and he wound it around his fist, which looked quite impressive. That's serious stuff. Um, and he had on a T-shirt and nothing else. Yeah. So he was naked Not from the waist so, down. Yeah. So he had the belt in one hand oh and he God. held my hand. So we were both <laughs> ready to push you in front of the creeping door. Creeping down the stairs. <laughs> and with his bits hanging out. And I thought, Christ, this poor burglar's in for a hell of a show. We're going first. That or the chain belt. I think that was part of his strategy. What about your dad? Was he kind of macho man? Um, yeah, I think he macho man. He probably liked to. Yeah, I think he probably was actually of that generation that he was but just. I if the expectation was more there of that generation. Of him. Yeah. But I don't think I've asked for him to protect us, but, but I think he felt he it felt that he it. was. Yeah. And, and basically a house full of estrogen. Oh. All girls. So oh, like four girls and my mum. Oh, I mean, the poor bloke. Did I tell you when I was up north eh, over, eh, over the kind of New Year period, um, Christine, my sister, who's who's still up there, bumped into this guy who my dad used to play darts with every night, every Saturday night at the Sui Hotel at Kincraig. And uh, they have had, he was telling Christine that they were having this memorial match for my dad, which has been running since 2007, the year that he died, every year. And I had no idea about it. If I'd been told about it then, I'd completely forgotten about it. So uh, Kristen said, do you want to go along? Must go along. So uh, Stephen and I and John and Kristen went along. And oh my God, what a great night it was. Uh, I don't know, maybe about six teams or seven teams of darts players. And they had the, is it Quake you call it? Yeah, yeah, Quake. Yeah, with all the names since 2007, the winners. And then the wooden spoon, uh, Tommy McKenzie's name. This wonderful, gorgeous picture of my dad up uh, beside it. And uh, we got to present the prizes. Christine did the wooden spoon. I did the Quake. And it was wonderful. And it was two young lads, honest to God, they looked about 15, uh, that won it. They were excellent. They were just so cool and actually one had they were drinking coca-cola and one had really buff cheeks because he was really excited and when we followed them out of the pub just because at the end of the night and they were singing 
Tommy Mackenzie. Tommy. Oh my God, I was in tears. It was so lovely. So um, yeah, I'll definitely be back up next year for that one. It's so lovely. What a lovely, just joyous thing to to hear about when I didn't know anything about it. No, but a lovely thing. And what a terrible, terrible daughter you are. For not knowing. Oh my God, I'm embarrassed. Are you ready for the email of the week? Yes, you know I love this bit. Okay. Well, this is quite a long email this week, but I, I think it I like is very much worth it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say who it's from because they've asked me not to say who it's from, which is absolutely fine. Um, so it's, hey, Kay and Karen, um, I've just finished listening to your podcast with Philippa Perry. Oh, nice one. My heroine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm writing this before I change my mind. I have often thought of sending an email and I've never been brave enough. Uh, many of your podcasts, listen to everyone, have hit a spot with me, but this one has hit my soul to the core at a moment in my life where I am reflecting on my childhood. Um, I've just turned 62 and a year ago something happened which gave me the awful realisation that one of the things that my mother used to do to me as a child was actually seriously bad. Hmm. Um, I've always known that she was a really bad mother, but bad memories of other things I'd forgotten about just kept flooding back. I have huge resentment for her, and it was interesting that Philippa said that this could turn to hate. I really don't want to use that word for my mother, but I am finding it difficult not to. I find it insightful for Philippa to suggest that you have to choose between guilt Mm -hmm. and resentment. Mm -hmm. Choose guilt every time. I wish I could do that. My mother is 86, and although still in incredibly good health, I just can't remove myself from the relationship that I have with her, and I continue to help support and visit her every week. I do so out of duty. There is no love there, only resentment. This is making me fill up here. God, it's hard. Uh, She continues to have the ability to stab me in the heart with a single sentence, upset and provoke me. When she has an audience, she will take pride in putting me down. I have many problems but find relationships and friendships difficult and find it almost impossible to trust anyone amongst other issues which has made life lonely. On the plus side, I have my own family and I made it my life goal to be the polar opposite to bringing up my own two children. Uh, Thank God I have a happy and close relationship with them and so much love from my four grandchildren. This makes my heart sing. Anyway, thank you for this particular podcast. I'm not sure what I can do with the information as I feel at 62. I am too old to delve into the damage of the treatment my mother inflicted and I'm not going to stop seeing her now. wonder if you ever are too old to investigate I don't that. think so. I don't know. You're never too old to get help. Maybe I will look further into the choice of guilt and resentment and read some of Philippa's work. I really would say do that. I oh found God, her book so interesting. Uh, but anyway... Um, this listener says, thanks for all your podcasts. Interesting, funny and controversial topics. I love them all. You and Karen are a tonic on my Fridays. Well, we're so delighted to to hear that. And, and she also says, in the event that you read this out, please don't mention my name. Don't worry, I would never do that. And then this last line, now I will press send. Takes That's a lot so tough. to write an email like that. Oh, my God almighty. It takes a lot. And, you know, please don't think that we don't know it takes a lot. Because it really does. But sometimes it is cathartic in some ways to write things down. And um, I certainly hope that is the case for you. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, and okay. please keep sending your emails. We absolutely love getting them, whether they are the intensely personal ones mm-hmm. like that or the, the lighter hearted ones about life at, at 60. Uh, we really love hearing from you. Uh, the email address is podcast at htb 60 dot com.
Uh, we will speak to Petra after this. Well, hi, Petra. How are you? Yeah, well, we're good. We're looking out to a, a clear sky, sunshine, and my outside weather station tells me it's 2.4 centigrade. <laughs> well, I hope it's not Bahamas in your house. Turn the thermostat down if it is. I can't be doing with it. <laughs> Petra, I, I first read about you in the the Guardian. They've got a really great feature actually in the Guardian called a new start after sixty, and it said sort of in a roundabout way you decided to transition after being hospitalised for colitis. I imagine that's a very very shortened version of your story, but yeah, it's true, is it? Oh, yes, absolutely. In what way? What happened? Well, during 2014, exceedingly stressful time. But um, I went to see the doctor in uh, late November and uh, my innards were not, um, should we say, uh, they were playing up quite dramatically. At any rate, the prognosis was that I had colitis and they started treatment. But none of the treatments worked. Things started getting worse. I was hospitalised from sort of mid-July through to mid-August for four weeks. And during that time, my weight continued to fall. And I think I wound up around about 55 kilos. Uh, my family were exceedingly worried for me. But whilst I was in hospital, I had my trustee and laptop with me. And I came across a blog um, by an American academic called Jenny Boylan. And Jenny actually happens to be a trans woman, and her blog was about her time on an overseas academic exchange into the Irish Republic. It was pre-transition time for her. Um, they were renting a house. She was. They were there for two years. One day, a glass bottle fell on the floor in the kitchen, which of course was a stone floor. You know, they swept everything up. They thought everything was clear. A couple of days later. There was a uh, someone knocked at the front door. It was a delivery. Had it across the floor in the kitchen floor in a bare feet. And yes, the foot fell, the glass shard that had been missed. Uh, and about um, two and a half, three weeks later, one very swollen foot, very painful foot, off to A&E. And A&E found the glass shard and removed it. And the relief for... Jenny at the time was it was in, almost immediate and that was her point when she had when she arrived at the point of going from I know I'm transgender to actually accepting it and embracing it and when they got back to the states she started transition my reading that blog um, was my point of moving from knowing that I was transgender to actually accepting it and then deciding to embrace it when i got home i'd sat down with my wife and i said da, 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 transgender i need to do something just doing that was a tremendous lifting of, of a weight off the shoulders stress was dissipating because i had accepted it and i was admitting it and talking about it a trans woman i'd got to know through twitter came to see me in early 2016 and I got introduced to a support group. Um, but it took until August to pluck up the carriage to go. But I took my wife with me and um, haven't really looked 
back since then. I saw my GP in the uh, August of um, 2017. I got my HRT prescription in the um, January 2019. Um, November of last year, early November, um, probably about a month before my 77th birthday, um, I had um, surgery. Gosh, Petra, can I take you back a bit? And it's really thank you very much for giving us that 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 timeline because you know that that is a, a long period of of time. But going back to being in that hospital and having that moment of realization, you were what sixty eight at that stage. Yes, and that was your moment of acceptance. But you said prior to that, you knew you were transgender. To what level did you know? When did you know? Did you live your life with that knowledge? As I tell it when I do my trans awareness talks, when I was about four, or before I started school, I had already worked out that I was a bit different to other boys. Through primary school, I was bullied, name-called, and occasionally beaten up on the way going home. When it came to moving on to secondary school, bearing in mind I was in a small village, I was not being seen as... You weren't the right kind of boy. No, I wasn't the right kind of boy. So I needed a role model. But, but what was it life like at that all-boys school? Not quite so much bullying, oddly enough, mainly because it was totally all-male. There were no girls that I could relate with or go, go with. Essentially lonely, I think. And so what were you feeling? What were you thinking at that time? As, as... Well... I would have to admit that um, on the walk, was I had to take a train to the town where the school was, and then it was a mile of a walk to the school. If I walked one way, I went past one parade of shops. If I walked another way, I went past another parade of shops. One of the shops was what we would t- today describe as a boutique, and I would quite often stop and look at the fashions and then think about me in the fashions. And then I'd carry on to school. So you were thinking about you dressed, presenting as a, as a, as a woman in, in what is known as women's clothes. We're, we're talking, as you say, about what sort of um, early 60s, something like that. I mean, the conversations that we now have wouldn't have happened then. Did that feel to you like some kind of guilty secret? And I'm not suggesting it should be. Oh, no, it, it definitely did because he... Obviously, by then, one was in the teens, and because we were um, just the other side of the Downs from Brighton, um, we got the Brighton evening newspaper, and if they carried any stories, it would be drag queens, and you had the conflation of the drag queen, the homosexual male, the transvestite, all conflated together. Very obviously, society didn't like this, and therefore... You know, one looked at this and one, one knew that what one was doing, what one wanted to do, was, in society's view, wrong. Mm. What was your family situation then? Well, I'm an only child. And some people may leap on this to say, ah, that's the reason. Uh, because my father died when I was um, three months old. And so it was just you and your mum? Mm-hmm. And what was that relationship like? It was, um, I obviously wasn't quite living up to what she would expect. A male to be. We leave it like that. Right. But you had that awareness that Yes. Yeah. You weren't I, I was just I was thinking of you actually when I read that that email from 
from our listener. I mean, I'm not saying uh, obviously very different situations, but it made me think, I wondered what your relationship with your mum was like and and whether you just park that or you go back to, uh, I I don't know. Yes, well, they said her relationship was bored and measured. Right. So no great sense of warmth. No. No. God, lonely place to be, Petra. Sure, I know. I was like listening to you reading that uh, email out. I was a few things where I said, yeah. Mm. Once I got a car, I had somewhere to put things on. So I did occasionally um, cross-stress. And I did it because I felt very comfortable and I felt me cross-stressed. I didn't do it for any sexual gratification at all. Mm. It was just I was releasing me. But again, because you had the society's view that it was wrong, etc., mm. it was difficult. So at any rate, I was very fortunate that I found Lorraine, my, my wife. I was able to talk to her, be friends with her, without being seen as being, should we say, mate-material. So I wanted to actually be a friend. At any rate, our own feelings grew. We are each other's soulmates. We are soulmates. Mm. And we've had a wonderful life together. And our 51st wedding anniversary will be in about two weeks' time. Wow. So what, what age were you when you met? 25, 26. We're each other's best friend. We're soulmates. I mean, after the loneliness that you've described of a lot of your life, how did that feel to meet someone that you that you felt so comfortable with? It was wonderful. It was, yeah, it was a huge win. The other thing I'm just thinking, Petra, is that, you know, we have much more open conversations about now about gender identity, about sexuality, about all you know aspects of life. They're not always very temperate conversations, as to be said. But you know, we talk about it more. Did you have access to other ways of thinking? Not did you know what the possibilities were of your life? Absolutely not. As <clears throat> one lived in a uh, small village, television didn't appear in a a house till I brought one in in my teens. Then it was an old TV, so it was only BBC, single channel. But it really wasn't until the turn of the century, which was when you got the um, broadband, and you suddenly find connections with other people, and you suddenly realise that you are not alone. There are other people out there with with the same feelings. Okay, your history might be slightly different, but you look at it and there there are threads through it which are common. And seeing some of the people you're connecting with are in other parts of the world, they start sharing with you. Oh, I found this document on this website. That's valuable. And so the information starts to really build. Were you sharing these thoughts um, and these searches with Lorraine? Every so often, yes. I, I guess I'm just thinking of you and Lorraine as two young people who met in your early 20s, who discovered each other as soulmates and went on to have, what, two children? Mm-hmm. That you had all this stuff going on inside you. Um, how much at that stage were you 
sharing with Lorraine about your feelings and how were you making sense of your feelings? I mean, I'm wondering maybe when you met Lorraine, you thought, oh, that's it, that's the magic key. Everything's everything's fine now. Everything's fallen into place. No, it's carried on. And so I did suffice to say that Lorraine and I were roughly the same size and uh, I was able to um, use Lorraine's clothes and uh, she was quite happy for me to do that. It was, for me, it was a relief. And for many years, that's how it how it worked. Um, didn't really do any any more than that, other than the fact that we knew that there was this thing going on. Um, we came to the conclusion it was probably a transvestite. Um, certainly wasn't homosexual. Certainly wasn't a drag queen. Um, Cross dresser, not really. But these things never quite gelled properly with me but um the um that's where we went on and so it really wasn't until we got up to the hospital and suddenly mm. so for most of your married life then for you and Lorraine there was just a sort of mutually accepted view that that you enjoyed cross-dressing um, that Lorraine was comfortable with it. You perhaps were thinking there's more to this than that, but that was kind of the accommodation between you. Well, also, of course, you had the fact is that even into the 90s, society was, you know, if it had crept outside of the house, then that would have been devastating for both of us. Did you feel the weight of that? To a... To a certain extent, and it really wasn't until we came into the noughties and I started seeing all this um, thing about gender and, um, and sex differences and that. And I suppose really what was happening was the um, the stress was building up because obviously I was beginning to realise that I wasn't a transvestite. I was probably um, transgender, possibly transsexual. It's wonderful that you met Lorraine and, and you have obviously such a strong relationship. But through those years, what was life like outside the house? Because you were very successful in, in your career. Um, and so you were operating in a corporate world. Did you have a social life? Did you have mates? How, how did the outside the house life work? Um, to be quite honest, I do not have very many male friends. Right? And through the corporate world, um, I have people who are associates, and and I and I just accepted, you know, that people were people, and it really didn't go much beyond that. So I never. And so the, um, the odd occasion when one's sort of gone out with the boys, it's not been for me a particularly enjoyable experience. I do not, um, I cannot see any fun in drinking yourself to oblivion. Um, um, do not see any, do not get any joy or, or happiness or whatever listening to people um, being misogynistic towards women. Um, what did you enjoy doing? 
really are enjoying um, walking and going out with Lorraine. We go on to go off and we'd explore somewhere. That was really it. When it came to having to telling your children, how did that conversation go? Interesting. The youngest and wife, um, really very accepting from the very object go. Uh, my eldest um, um, accepted it, but um, it was some processing for a long time. Hmm. And how is that relationship now? It's a, it's a good relationship. Um, it's a very sort of, um, supportive, loving environment. So, um, yeah, we're there. How did you feel being a dad? That's fine. As I said to, to them, you know, I had no hang-ups on things. To you, I am still dad and granddad. Petra, we're, t- we're asking you a million questions here. I-, I am aware that this is intensely personal. Um, and, you know, I'm, honestly, we're, we're really grateful that, that, that you're you're speaking to us today. And I can see you processing every answer. And, and I, I really do understand why. I mean, you were 68 when you came to an acceptance of this. Did that feel an enormous relief? I mean, what what was that like? Because you've had the awareness all your life. But there's a difference between knowing something inside and putting it outside. Oh no, it was a there was a massive relief, and that I believe is one of the major reasons why myocarditis has eased and why it's under the control. Stress. It's a major people do not realise how much stress impacts on your physical health. So when you did have that moment of revelation then in 2014, um, that you know, you wanted to to accept yourself, you know, that you're transgender and speak to your family and, and be, um, you know, to live your life that way. How important was it for you then to, to, to get treatment, to go on hormone treatment and then to progress to, to surgery? Because you're now into your early 70s by that stage. Um, as Lorraine said, it came as a huge relief because... We've had this thing of, you know, cross-dressing, whatever. And so it was as much as a big relief for Lorraine as it was for me. And we've sort of gone on and the um, three of the four consultations with the gender clinic in London, Lorraine accompanied and was part of it. And so I've tried to sort of make sure that it includes it. And it's very, um, very important to do that. And then subsequently, since then, the HRT, um, as Lorraine will tell you, is a much, much happier person today. Is it possible to articulate how you feel different? Interesting. Do I feel different? I do feel different. I feel much more, uh, I'm much, much happier in the world, you say. I'm very comfortable in my own skin. um, I'm out there doing things that I've wanted to do for a long time. So through the WI, I'm able to socialise with my set. She's, she's the woman. And did it change your relationship with Lorraine at all? I think to a certain extent it may have strengthened it. Maybe it's, it's essentially so the outer shell has, you know, the physical is the thing that's changed. The person in here, 
And you, what you need to probably appreciate is that my identity is the same today as it was 10 years ago. It's just the fact that now my brain and body are in sync. Do you ever think, Petra, how life might have been different had you been born 50 years later? As I say in my trans awareness talks, you can look back to see where you've been and you and use that information to help you navigate your future. But what you must never ever do is to look back and engage in what if. It's not good for your mental health mm. to do that. Mm. And so what, so yeah. what is is Karen, I would like to introduce you to my new companion. Who? She's called Poppy. She's very stylish, classy, accommodating, versatile. And if you get up close and you sniff her, <laughs> uh, she has a wonderful smell of leather. Oh, I love the smell of leather. <laughs> I'm slightly confused. What are we talking when about? You bag, when you buy Poppy, is the style. It's from a small Scottish company called Sarah Harron. Uh, Sarah was working in the corporate world. She couldn't find a functional bag that looked great, so she decided to create a whole range of them. Oh, very nice. Listen, I'm loving the pink lining. God, no, these pockets. I know I've got one for my iPad. I've got one for my water bottle. I've got room for a spare pair of knickknacks for an overnight. What about the handles? Well, you've got a choice. I like a backpack, so I use the backpack handles. Or you've got the short straps. And also this detachable pouch I can take off and either use as a clutch or as a shoulder strap. So I like that. It's like... Two, three bags in one. Yeah. Now, what about the colours? Different colours? Lots of different colours, lots of different ways you can style it. Tell you what, this will see me out, this bag. It's got more years in it than I've got. Also a great gift for someone that you really value and respect. Okay. Don't hold your breath. Visit the Sarah Harron website now, where you'll receive an exclusive offer of 20% off your first bag. And not only that, you will also get three accessories absolutely free so you can start styling your bag right away. Just enter the code KKAYE at the checkout to receive this incredible offer. Listen, Petra, we don't want to take up too much of your time. We, we have a thing that we do at the end of the... Uh, the podcast called Big Sixo Bingo. So Karen has got uh, 50 questions. 60 even. Oh, 60. Sorry, I keep saying to 50. Be 60. Don't, I do don't know if you know this. Carry on, carry on. I'll give it to you. So I'm looking for a couple of numbers uh, from you, Petra, between 1 and 60. So give us the first one. 27. Okay. Um, what has life taught you? You need to be accepting people and you need to be supportive. Across the board, yeah. Um, give us another another number. Sixteen. One six. Okay. What are you most proud of, Petra? My family. I'm. I'm. I've got two gorgeous children and two really lovely grandchildren. Very happy with where I am, and it's really very very happy with them. The rain, my life partner. Well, what do anyone want beyond that? Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. If there's a message for um, any people out there, and it doesn't matter how they are, you're never too old to embrace your true self. Good advice. That is a, a great message to end, that's for sure.
Well, God, I, I really don't know what to to say um, after that. Um, really appreciate Petra being so honest. God, we sit here and we chirrup away like budgies, and I could see that she was thinking about every single mm-hmm. word. I know, you know, I know. Yeah, so hard, so hard. Um, now, listen, you've completely screwed up my schedule. Can I just tell you that? Well, I think you're right to. Well, well, I'm trying to organise things as I do because, as everyone knows, I do all the work. I'm not a martyr. You're off on your bloody. It was just at Christmas, and then you announced to me that you're away for two weeks. I had Christmas in the floods, and now I'm going to get a tiny little bit of sunshine. It's my sister Christine's seventieth. It's my sister Kerry's seventy third, and so we're off to celebrate. What's where you off to? Off to Morocco. Oh. I've never, it wasn't my choice. I've never been there. I'm so looking forward to it. Uh, so few, this is all the sisters? This is all the sisters. Oh, yep. This is a Netflix in the making, <laughs> isn't this? Oh, the oh. Just the four women? Uh, I was no. going to call you girls, but I couldn't bring myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and partners. And partners. Actually, Stephen's not coming. <gasps> oh, Stephen's not coming? No, I thought, no... Ten days is quite a long time to put Bonnie into. I'm joking. Stephen isn't coming, but that's his choice. Right. Okay. So it's the the four sisters, the three partners, four sisters, two partners, and a friend. Oh, and you out in the randan. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I cannot wait. I can't wait either. Actually, I'm really looking forward to oh, this. Just upset your schedule, okay? The stories, the stories. Well, it's okay. I, I've got. We've got a great podcast next week, all set up, and then I'm going to jiggle things around, and we'll all be fine. We will. We'll all we'll be, be fine. fine. I'll Life be, will go on. I will be working like an absolute dog. <laughs> you heard that before. You're never around for God's sake. You're, you're always in the randan. But do you know what? I'm going to let you go, aren't I good? Thanks. Because, oh, the stories. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm going to let you know about. Yep. Think not. You are.